when I'm hiring anyone creatively, I'm hiring you as a partner. I want someone that doesn't necessarily agree with everything I say and that we can come up with something together. A good photographer will bring their POV. They'll find shots that I wasn't thinking. They'll have suggestions for lighting. And that's why I think personal work's really important because it's like, oh, you, you actually use your brain. Hello and welcome to Photopod. I'm Neil Binkley, founder of The Personal Photography Project. This is our interview podcast about the business of photography and motion. We discuss photography related to advertising, magazines, branding, personal projects, and the fine art world. Our listeners include photographers, plus the creatives who support and hire them. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to the podcast and our newsletter. We have two actually. One is for this podcast. And another one shows personal projects from our photographers on our website. Links to both are in the show notes of your podcast app or at tppp.photo or thepersonalphotographyproject.com. Today, you're listening to my interview with Adam Long, an advertising creative director with Industry in Portland, Oregon. I invited Adam to speak with me today because I like that he's creative director for a smaller agency that's doing very creative work. And yet, Adam has worked on motion, digital and print campaigns for some of the top brands. Brands such as Nike, Facebook, now Meta, Sony PlayStation, Yeti Coolers, The World Cup, and more. Plus, he helped an entire city rebrand itself after its reputation was damaged during the pandemic. Adam has an extensive work history, working directly for Nike as a content creator, worked in motion design for Yard VFX, also as a freelance commercial director, then an art director and creative director at Mutt Industries, and now at the agency Industry, a creative shop who described themselves as, quote, a global independent brand consultancy. You should definitely check out the rest of Industry's work as well as Adam's. During our interview, Adam discusses his beginnings in editing and film, how he was nurtured as a creative director by former Wyden and Kennedy creatives, and a lot more. Adam is also a very talented director, filmmaker, and illustrator. You should check out his work beyond what we even discuss in this episode see the links in the show notes. I see that Motherfucker, the name of one of his clever short films, has won many awards and is now a Vimeo staff pick. Check out the show notes where I put links to his portfolio, photographers we discuss, and a lot more. Oh, and some people may not know about my company, The Personal Photography Project. You know that this is Photopod, but what are we about? We are a website solely devoted to showing photographers' personal work. It's a place for art producers and photo editors to discover new talent to hire for future assignments or to license images. It's simpler than having to scour individual sites, Instagram, or Google to find personal projects by working photographers. We think that personal projects show creatives how a photographer's work could translate to an ad campaign or feature article, since the projects are often a series of images all on the same theme. And bonus, they also show what the photographer can do as a creative partner for you. We're at tppp.photo or thepersonalphotographyproject.com or check the uh, link in the show notes. But enough about us. Back to Adam Long and our interview. And to get into the right mindset, I love his about page description titled What I Do. He says, New England native, Portland local. I've worked as a creative director, art director, commercial director, and editor. In all of these jobs, I have pretty much used the same process. One, understand the problem. Two, 
distill that into a core idea. Three, find a way to communicate the idea in a simple and emotional way. I like using my brain to help solve creative problems. It's what I'm good at. End of quote. Hope you enjoy the interview. By the way, I I assume you're in Portland. Yes, I am. Okay, cool. I used to live in Northwest and Southeast Portland for a very short year, but it was a great year and I would have lived there longer, but I had some opportunities in New York City for work. When was that? It was 20 years ago, basically. Okay, Um, yeah, I've been here since 02, so around the same time. Okay, cool. So has Portland gotten weirder, about the same, less weird since you've been Uh, there? (laughs) It's for sure gotten less weird. Yeah, it's funny. When I first moved here, it was like this super hippie, cheap, but blue collar art, artsy town. Yeah. And now it's definitely, it got really expensive. It got yuppified. And then I'd say after COVID, it got sad. And actually, I didn't think Portland was so weird when I moved there. I just meant, I think it was a on the side of a building or something like that. I can't remember how that started exactly, mm-hmm. but it did seem to be part of the zeitgeist. Oh, it was for sure weird. Yeah, whatever that means. Even <laughs> but, it was it was quirky for sure, but it was like cheap. I had art studios and stuff. You could pay three hundred dollars and have a space. That was a vibe. Everybody was like a thing in a thing. But I bartend, but I'm also an author. It's a lot less of that now. Okay, so that's the difference between Portland and, and Los Angeles then, where, whereas in, in Los Angeles, I bartend, but I'm also a screenwriter. Right. Yeah, totally. I think it just got really ex- it got expensive. That's the thing that I think ruined it, because it was just a really cheap place to live and try to figure out what you want to do. Right. That's actually one of the funniest lines to me in Portlandia was when they talk about how Portland was a place where young people go to retire. Oh, retire. Yeah, <laughs> oh, t- totally. I'm East Coast as well. And I never saw people, regular people, it sounds weird to say it, like regular people were bagging groceries and cool people, someone that was stoked to bag groceries. And I was having a hard time getting jobs in bookstores and stuff. Um, yeah. It was a weird place. And I just worked in restaurants. Like when I moved here for the first probably five, six years, I was bartending and catering and all that stuff. It's funny. I think probably one of the, my, my biggest regrets still was not going for the avid compositing job that was at Will Vinton Studios mm-hmm. at the time. Cause I thought, oh, I don't have enough experience with that. Or I've barely touched avid before. I didn't realize that you could fake it before you make it. Totally. Like, that's what I did, man. I feel like that's, <laughs> that's the way to do it. You just had more confidence than me back then, it sounds like. But I, like today, I feel like I could watch a week straight of YouTube videos and then I could become that, mm-hmm. whatever it was, with technology. I know, right? Because I started as an editor and mm-hmm. I taught myself. And it was back in the day when people were still shooting film. It was just at the beginning of this whole desktop revolution thing. I went to film school at Ithaca College and we shot 16 millimeter and we edited it on Steenbeck's in 16 yeah. millimeter. And it was so stupid because I remember in high school, we had even, we had been shooting video of all sorts, had like an eight millimeter video camera and, and even a super eight camera too. And that was cool, but that was also expensive. Shooting on film as a student, especially was such a waste sometimes because mm-hmm. you, you couldn't waste money on footage, which you should do when you're first starting out. I feel like you, you, you totally. need to make all the dumb mistakes and be stupid with stuff. And luckily we had done that in public access videos and stuff like that in high school. So by the time I got to college, it, it 
I did have an idea of better about how to complete a thought and how to concept things a little bit better and write a little bit better. Maybe I always thought that shooting on film for film students was like the dumbest thing. And ironically, and now they're all shooting digitally, of course, and trying to make it look like film. Oh, of course. I mean, you do want it to look good. Yeah. Yeah. It's been interesting how I got into photography after filmmaking. It's been really gratifying in the last 10 years or so to see people using DSLRs to do decent B camera stuff or even Mm -hmm. A camera stuff for some kind of like online things. And even watching the NFL and seeing them use short depth of field DSLRs for sideline shots that look better than any of the broadcast images otherwise. Totally. So I love seeing that photographers now just have that at their disposal in addition to having the fancy cameras and the red cameras and the Aries yep. and the this and the that, and uh, which all have their place, of course. But I don't know. I've always liked the idea of seeing what you could do with a smaller crew and a grittier aesthetic and mindset. I want to go through a quick list of your accomplishments. But before I do, I feel like a lot of the work that I see in your portfolio, for example, and even at some of the ad agencies that you've worked at, it seems like it has a a run and gun aesthetic or an ability to be creative and seem like you're working small. But you've worked at Anthem and then some, I'd say, maybe would you call them boutique agencies as well? Yeah, and for all kinds of brands and Nike and PlayStation and, yep. and and Facebook. And maybe you can contrast the larger agencies versus the boutique agencies if you feel like you have that experience. I don't know if I do. Ha- I mean, I have a little bit of experience. I mean, I've only really been part of agency at smaller agencies. The mm-hmm. first one being Mutt, which was like this offshoot of Wyden. There, it was the X. ECD from Wyden and a couple other guys, and they started a small agency. And I was lucky enough, I was doing work with them before that I was doing film stuff. And they were like, Hey, do you want to try to be an art director? I didn't know what that meant. (laughs) And, you know, in terms of like in the advertising world, and they kind of gave me my first break and taught me everything and then eventually made me a creative director. So that was really my foot into this whole thing. Through them, I was able to work on really big brands and learn. It was like college. I was seven years with those guys and they were like my mentors. And they taught me how to be conceptual, what an idea was, and also how an agency ran. And then from there, I freelanced and I worked at a bunch of other agencies. And now I work, I'm a creative director in another agency. That sounds like a, a great experience. And obviously the sons of Wyden or whatever you want to call them, but also you that you're in Portland which is the town that Nike built, so to speak, for advertising. And between Wyden and and Nike, it seems like those are sort of the giants, unless I'm overstating that, for advertising-wise and branding. When I look at your LinkedIn and your portfolio site, you have quite a background. So you said that you came into it from filmmaking. Yeah. Then eventually got into art directing through Mutt and creative direction. You've done editing as well. Do you feel that all of those skills have benefited you? My background is uh, I never had a love for advertising. I didn't go to school and I don't have that training in it. I think I was just, I was a creative person and a little bit of a weirdo. And I think I, through lucky circumstances, I met the right people and they saw potential and pulled me in. And at this place that I worked at, that was their MO. They were like, we don't want to hire advertising people. We want to hire 
creative people and teach them advertising. So instead of copywriters, they would hire people that had masters in writing authors, like people that wanted to like write and they taught them copywriting or artists and they taught them graphic design. And none of us really had like this desire to, to advertise. We kind of like making things and they were like, Hey, this is how you can do it for a job. I feel like there's less of an appetite for fake stuff in advertising than ever mm -hmm. compared with the 1950s, the sixties, the seventies yeah. advertising. And probably because of the internet, mm -hmm. if I can, if that's accurate, I feel like there's just so much out there that's interesting that advertising now has to compete by not being totally fake. Yeah. We go down the rabbit hole on that. I personally, I would love to go back to those days because I think ads are better when they're fake and narrative and you're like, oh, this is an ad. Yeah. Hopefully this doesn't get me in trouble. <laughs> I don't like the advertising that pretends not to be an ad, even though I've made stuff like that. I like when an ad's an ad. And yeah, in terms of the internet, when I first started, you're still doing radio broadcasts at a home. And I think that the internet, obviously, like you have to compete with everything, especially so I think social media has really changed it all mm -hmm. because how do you compete with everything? Anyone can say anything, but a brand can't say anything. They can't sell it, say whatever they want. And that's really hard. So you have to really make stuff that is that grabs people and it's like, how do you compete with someone that has no rules and can do whatever they want? That sounds stupid. No, no, that that's an interesting point. And it's interesting to hear you say that because I feel like you did a really interesting campaign for the city of Portland where you, I don't know, rebranded them, branded them, or it was sort of a response to COVID era realities of Portland that were in nas national news. I feel like that ad was not it wasn't glossy. No. Maybe what I'm saying, with, with old advertising, I feel, the old advertising rules, I feel like it, it was all about making something look good. Oh, totally. And sometimes yeah. at the expense of truth or, or authenticity. And I hate the word authenticity be, because it's sort of overused, but it's not a bad word. <laughs> and no, so, I understand what you're saying. I guess what I reject is the influencery, this is a documentary, this is the truth kind of thing. I love a handmade, fun feeling. If I had an aesthetic, that's my aesthetic. But I think that's different than this thing that's pretending not to be an ad, but is an ad. Does mm. that make sense? Yeah. And and yeah, for Travel Portland, that was definitely the weirdest tourism ad ever. I think that they took a year off after COVID and then Portland was in, like, there was constant protests and there was a lot of crazy shit happening downtown yeah. and it was ugly. And they, like I said, they took a year off and they were like, hey, we have all this budget. We need to bring people back. But we talked about it and we we're like, we have to address. Because Portland was just in the news constantly, especially not a political city, but it's like a city that represents this liberal whatever viewpoint. So it was definitely getting that type of media attention, especially on Fox News and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was scaring people. Like my family was like, are you okay? And it was fine. So we felt like we had to address it kind of head on and my whole take on it and, the, and granted this is still quarantine time. So like I wasn't even going around the city or seeing what was in the city. The city was just waking up, like businesses were starting to reopen. And like my whole take was because I've lived here for a while since I was two. And I was like, the protest thing to me wasn't abnormal. I was like, that's Portland. That's the Portland I've always known is mm -hmm. Portland stands up for human rights. Portland's always been this very liberal 
city. If you liked that Portland, it's the same Portland. We're not going to not stand up for human rights. Portland isn't one thing. It's weird. It's good. It's bad. It's everything. And that was the whole camp. We were doing it in a fun, quirky way, just pointing at things and saying, this is Portland, that's Portland, while also addressing like all the stuff that happened. And we very much knew we were going to get some earned media. Like we did it on purpose. We were like, let's put it in the New York Times. Let's intentionally poke. And we knew that Fox News would pick it up and they did. And then it went mm-hmm. to a bunch of other places and they just got a bunch of impressions for free, you know? Yeah. And it seems it was pretty successful. You also got some interesting folks to be in it, local celebrities or, or celebrities that are, not, are from Portland who are not oh, yeah. local, who are known around the world of creativity and the world of music. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. We called in all the favors. <laughs> just pulling anyone that was around. <laughs> I do like that th- there was a sense of humor to it at the same time it being about something serious. And I think that successful advertising, I think, is something that can make something entertaining, but also memorable and meaningful. So I'm looking at industry's work as well. I see how they have worked with photography. And I think it's interesting, like what some of these images that are almost like portraits for Timberland and how are you working with photography in your day-to-day? In, in my day-to-day, photography is part of production. So it's like day-to-day, I'm probably not working with photography and photographers. I think my job is more about like selling an idea. It just takes so much time. You get the brief, you do all the work, you pitch the ideas, the, the back and forth, and then you're in production for a very short amount of time. And then you're in post-production and then you're putting stuff into the world. Mm-hmm. I'm not constantly around production as much as I, w- I would love to. Today, I'm doing a job and I just had to go through a bunch of selects, which it, that just reminds me. I actually got to put together a bunch of notes for retouchers. That's probably more what I have to do on a day-to-day with photography. But is your question about like interacting with photographers? Uh, Yeah, so are you ever tasked with finding photographers mm-hmm. for industry or through for your sure. work at different places? Yeah, for sure. And ha- how do you find photographers? in that case. Yeah, it's a good question. That's the whole thing about the podcast, right? It's all about helping freelancers, like mainly photographers, right? Navigate this world. I call it a a discussion about the photography industry, which is advertising and editorial and branding mostly. And then I try to talk with people who are supporting, encouraging, working with photographers it's at least for photographers to have an understanding of different areas where photography plays a role and some of the people who are working with photography on all different levels. And for example, I I interviewed a guy named Eric Rist, who used to be Nike's director of photography Mm. and then moved on to some other things. And also Mark Weiner, who's an agent with the Gren Group, who's, they're all lifestyle photographers. And then I interviewed somebody from Square, Amy Feudelberg, who is their director of photography. I'm going to have her type title wrong, but she came from the editorial world and then brought that imprint, that aesthetic, I'd say, to Square a little bit more. I'd say that the audience is probably more photographers, though it's definitely open to anybody who's interested in hearing how people are working in the image-making field. Totally. I love that. I love this topic. I think it's a bunch of different ways. Some clients, like a Nike they might already have photographers that they want to work with and they have their own like roster. And then, and, and just like directors, you usually have to bring like a few photographers to the table. 
hey, we like this guy, this lady, and and this person. And then and, and in terms of finding people, obviously we have relationships with people that you've worked with and I've worked with, that like my bosses have worked with. And then and then in terms of finding like fresh new talent, it's funny, I feel like Instagram is definitely like a thing more and more to find new talent. I don't feel like I've broken too many photographers. I did a job for Yeti a while back where I just found this kid's photography. He never did anything commercial, but he just had this really great eye and he was this outdoor, this kid that would just loved adventure and outdoors and he just took these great photographs. He was shooting everything on film and I, I hired him and it broke him into being a photographer and he's pretty successful now. Nice. Um, Do you remember his name? Rice Malone, I want to say his okay. name was. But outside of that, there's agents, obviously. Like agents will send books and stuff for you to look. Photographers alone will send me stuff a lot. And it's just hard. You just get so much stuff. That's why I do think it's interesting because it's like, how do you break through? Because you get sent so much stuff. I'm busy and like my inbox just piles up. And sometimes people will send me physical stuff, which I feel like works better. One guy sent me this big kind of zine of all of his photography was really cool but yeah it's definitely hard sure and it's interesting to me i like talking with people like you because i feel like a lot of agencies will have art producers magazines have photo editors and, mm-hmm. and so art directors and creative directors are a different i don't want to say animal but i i feel like you have a different relationship with photographers than some of the traditional gatekeepers Mm-hmm. I feel like if you can reach a creative director or an art director, sometimes you have an understanding of the brief so innately and you sort of know it when you see it. Maybe do you feel like you're ever protected by people who are sourced with finding the photographers? Do you feel like you're able to find the photographers that you need on your own? Or is it helpful to have other people sourcing them for you sometimes? I think both ways are, are helpful. I think you have your art direction and and that kind of sends you on your path of, Hey, I'm looking for someone that's more of a studio photographer or more of a lifestyle photographer and has this aesthetic or that aesthetic. So that kind of already sets you on your path. I think part of it is also like the budget of the job. How big of a job is this? I feel like nowadays and it's weird and not every brand, but some brands just want the story of who the photographer is too. It might be a, a well-known photographer and they want that as part of the campaign, just the whole backstory of that. Or it might be just someone from a unique background and they want to, they want that story even more and more. And I think that this goes across all fields. It's, it's what's like your social media and this and that. So I think more and more it's, it's about your work, but it's also about your backstory. Although I don't really look at that as much personally, I, I, I look at work and those are my three most important things. Is the work good? Are they collaborative? Are they fun to be around? Right. Those are my top three. No, definitely. Uh, personality, you don't want to spend your days with somebody who's abrasive or <laughs> dull oh. or, yeah. or who hasn't embraced uh, your campaign, I'm sure. That's interesting, though, about the personality of the photographer. And if it's like a any Leibowitz or something like that, then that's obvious. If it's a influencer, I don't know if that's part of it to what you're saying. Cause I know that as you were hinting at with Instagram, that Instagram influencers are sometimes brought into advertising or that's their raison d'etre sometimes in, in terms of understanding that person, do you value someone's personal work when you're considering them 
I know that's totally self-serving for me to ask that, but yeah, sorry. That's why I thought when you first approached me, I was like, oh man, that's a really great idea. And I feel like I've been looking for that and I've wanted, I wanted to see something like that. I 100% always do. Yeah. I would way rather look at someone's personal work than their commercial work. 1000%. And especially like going back to who the person is as a photographer playing into it is if I'm shooting, like if I'm doing something that's like within this like subculture, of course, I'm going to want a photographer that like is from that world and like how better of a way to know that than looking at their personal work. And I just feel like your personal work is represents like your ideas and creativity. And that's what I'm hiring you for. Um, commercial shit is just at the end of the day, it's always dictated by the client. It's never as good as personal work. I think personal work's always way more interesting and, and more about, oh shit. Like you look at it this way and, and I love that you have that perspective and that's why I'm going to hire you. Yeah, it is interesting that some people might be subject matter experts. Is it ever a value that it's a series of images that, that they're a full thought compared with some portfolio images where it might be an image here and an image there that's interesting? My idea in doing the personal photography project was I, I like the idea that you'd see a full piece of work. You didn't have to imagine how that could translate to a campaign or to mm -hmm. like a magazine's feature story or something like that because it's a series of images is harder to fake than like a, a good one-off image so even though there are good one-off images but, but is there any value to you in seeing a series of images in helping convince you that somebody can carry out a, a, a successful creative thought on their own totally i think it just shows your pov and your and how you see the world and i think that's really interesting i, I love photography i'll i have I love photography books. Yeah. So I love to see, especially when people, when they have a whole project that you can see how they approach a subject. I think it's, I think it's awesome. That's cool. And, and to be clear to the listeners, I, I have not paid Adam to say all these nice things about personal work <laughs> or, or about the idea of, of what, what, what I, what I've put together. But anyway, I, I, that was me trying to be funny, by the way. Um, <laughs> if I didn't, I think that's how I got into it. It was personal work. I think that's how most, no, maybe not most people. I don't know. I think it's lame when someone does spec work or I don't know. Hopefully that doesn't get me in trouble. I don't want to, I don't want to uh, put down anyone. I don't think spec work is very interesting. I think really well done personal work is way more interesting than like someone trying to imitate a Nike ad or a, or an Under Armour ad or something. I agree with you in theory. And I always will say things similar to what you say. But I also know that sometimes agents will want, I'm not blaming agents either. It, I know that sometimes photographers will do things on spec because it's a hole in their portfolio and an agency sometimes will say, well, why don't you have any pictures of frogs in your book? And you shoot it that way because it's been asked of you. That sounds weak the way I'm presenting it, but no, I hear what you're saying. No, but I totally agree. I, I think that when I'm advising people on how to conceive of a personal project, which I try not to get too heavy handed if I ever am talking with somebody about that, because I, I feel like it's up to them to be the artist. Otherwise it wouldn't be personal. But I do suggest starting with something that is that maybe they grew up loving doing. It was something really cool to them. And I usually say the more obscure, the better, because chances are somebody else hasn't come up with that idea yet. So totally. it makes you more memorable to other creatives, more attractive, I think, because... Yep. I feel like everybody gets tired of seeing visual. A hundred percent, man. If you can do something original, like that's key. 
Um, I think commercial work, like if you're good and commercial work will come, you don't have to do spec work. Like it'll happen if you pursue it. You know what I mean? If you're doing good work, eventually you'll get commercial work and then you can put that in your portfolio. The best advice I ever got from a director a long time ago was he said, make what you want. I, I was working on a really bad, like regional car ad or something. Nice. And, and I was bummed out about it. And he was like, you don't want to make those ads. Like you basically put out what you want to make. And I always thought that was uh, great advice. If you want to shoot cool, gritty lifestyle stuff, like then that's the stuff you should show what you want to make basically. No, that's exactly right. I've definitely have heard that in the photo industry. It's sort of the fake it what you fake it before you make it idea totally. too, but that we were dis- discussing before. But yeah, it took me a, a while to realize too that I had always done this in my life, for example, was I would just ask people if I wanted to work on something, if I thought that something was interesting, I would always put it out there that I was interested in doing more of something. Mm-hmm. And so I would, I, I think it's good for people to know what you're interested in because how else will they think of you sometimes? And, totally. and so maybe personal work is a way of, of showing that same spirit of interest and passion for something and showing that you might be a specialist in one specific area. I think it applies to every creative, it applies to to everything from writers to illustrators to designer. Personal work says that you like to make stuff and that you have a creative mind and that you don't like to just be told what to do and that you have a POV. And like when I'm hiring anyone creatively, I'm hiring you as a partner. Like I want someone that I can, that doesn't necessarily agree with everything I say and that like we can come up with something together. That for sure goes with photographer as well. A good photographer will bring their POV. They'll find shots that I wasn't thinking. They'll have suggestions for lighting or for whatever that I just was not thinking at all. And that's why I think personal work's really important because it's like, oh shit, you, you actually use your brain. Right. So I think it's interesting that you mentioned that physical mailers work better for you. The reason I, I, I say that is there's like a pendulum. You, you talk to one creative and they say that they hate getting print promos because mm-hmm. it's a waste of paper and trees and blah, blah, blah. And they, and they know how much it costs to make these campaigns and it's not going to reach them, especially during COVID, because how do you reach somebody if they're not in their office? But then you hear some other people say, like you, saying... I get too many emails in my inbox and I can't keep track of it. But then other people will say, oh, but I bookmark everything that I get in my email. Yeah, I may not reply to people, but I still bookmark mm-hmm. everything. And and so I, th- I think it's encouraging to hear people say that they still like things that are in print. I, I do some print design on the side. Actually, I've designed some books and, and things like that uh, of photography. And I, yeah, I certainly love print and holding things in my hands. That said, I feel like print campaigns... They've always been in the shadow of, of probably TV spots. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now in terms of the internet, do you feel that print campaigns are at an all-time low for what you do? Yeah, I mean, I haven't done a print. When I first started, we'd do a lot of, you'd do a lot of print or at a home or whatever. But yeah, for sure, you don't. It's rare to get to do that. But you still do a lot of photography. It just lives in a different place, right? But yeah, in terms of like a traditional print ad, like a magazine or something, it's right. pretty rare. Yeah, um, but I love I, I maybe like the physical thing. When I get a physical thing, it's because I don't often get that, and maybe that's why it stands up more. And I'm just thinking of this one person that sent me that thing, and it was mostly personal work. It was like mm-hmm. all really cool portraits that kind of stuck out, and it was printed on tabloid, like a larger 
zine and I was just like, oh, it just looks cool. It's like you're staring at your screen so long all day <laughs> that like you get one, you get like a cool, like physical thing. It sticks around and it's in my office. So I see it. Whereas like an yeah. email I can just toss. Again, like my inbox is just full, so I might just gloss by it. Sure. But then Instagram is good too, because some people reach out on Instagram and actually a lot of people reach out on Instagram and some work is just not very interesting or, or someone will just be like pushing their, okay, just did this campaign or that campaign. But when someone sends you something that's like really original that you haven't seen before, that definitely, that'll get you on the radar and then you can follow them and then see the work they're doing. And so I think Instagram is actually like a really, as much as I hate social media, I think it's probably a really good tool for photographers. Oh, I think so. I think Instagram is, is one place because it's all about the image. Yeah. Like Facebook is more text oriented than mm -hmm. Instagram. And with Instagram, it's just mostly, yeah, just seeing incredible work and creativity. And, and there's a levity to it as well compared with going to people's websites, maybe their commercial oh, yeah. sites. So the point is something like Instagram is nice because it's a combination of work and play intermingling. That, that's how I use it. That's probably how you curate it. And I only follow artists and photographers. That's all I follow. Yeah, me um, too. So it's, so then it keeps my feed interesting in that way that I want it to. And that's all I post to. I'm just like, here's maybe here's something I worked commercially or here's something I did myself. Yeah, absolutely. Although I did build my site too, because I know sometimes that it's also hard to tell who are the earnest pr actual practitioners sometimes, the professionals on Instagram. And again, I feel like you use everything at your disposal to find interesting talent. But I know that advertising creatives will look at people's personal work on a photographer's individual site. And I sort of wanted there to be one place to look for it. That's what I'm trying to build more of. And sometimes on Instagram, if you're not following enough of the right people, it, it becomes like a sea of mediocrity or you're just not 100%. sure like are these people just doing nfts and they don't even want to work on an ad campaign Jeez. or something the like NFT that thing was yeah that was obnoxious <laughs> i'm actually bummed that that pinterest hasn't taken off more for creatives i know right pinterest for the longest time was just a place where i would pour all of my bookmarks so i didn't have to keep them in safari any yeah, longer totally. and, and then i could revisit them and honestly i just like going back to it just to look at sometimes when i'm feeling mm -hmm. a little bit burnout when I want to see something special, I, I seeing my own taste. I know that that's a little totally. sound, made sound no, narcissistic, I, even, but a hundred percent, yeah. Like you'll look back at your things that you favorited before. That you, yeah, it's a bummer that they had such a, like a cool product, but now I don't think anyone uses it. I, it was such a cool idea, and it was like Google, but just with images, right? Yeah, it's a bummer. I think people are using what's the RNA. That's like the big one that everybody's using now, at least the designers and stuff. And RNA. I have to look that one up. A-R-E dot N-A. That's like the one that everybody oh. uses now. Okay. Social media for designers. Okay. So, so let's say over the last five years, and maybe not including the pandemic, which I think is an outlier for what the business landscape is for advertising and yeah. photography. Let's say you remove the le like 2020 to 2021, which most people will be glad to do anyway. But yeah, I know, right? do you think that photography is used less, more, or about the same as it was maybe five years ago to you? When I first started, when I was really just doing production stuff, I think photography used to have, and this is like a long time ago, photography had the big budgets in film and video was second thought. And then film and video got probably more budgets 
And now it, in any campaign I work, it's photography and video usually going side by side and the budget can't very rarely do I work where it's like, cool, we're doing, we're shooting the spot. And then the next few days we're doing the, the photography. Usually it's like, how do we do both at the same time? Or like, you have half the stage is this and half the stage is that. I think it's rare that I just work on a, on, on a thing where it's just photography. Not saying I don't like, but there's almost always a video component, even if it's like, Hey, we're going to be shooting a lookbook thing or like whatever. A photo campaign, there's definitely like always a video component to it that yeah. they'll tack on. I, I definitely see more and more photographers who are trying to become directors, not DPs, right. but more directors. I think probably out of necessity, I, I see a lot of photographers trying to trying to uh, own that as well and, and get on them. And I know a lot of, of DPs that, that also try to get into more just doing photography too. So do you ever expect that photographers will also have the ability to shoot video or do you just do you always try to segment that in terms of when you're hiring i wouldn't want to hire a photographer that i'm going to try to say if i'm going to hire a photographer i want them to be a photographer i would rather not hire a photographer and ask them to do this other thing usually the two things are definitely separate and i think as you said i think a lot of photographers are they'll get into directing instead if you can be a good storyteller and you understand how to tell a story across cutting and everything like that, editing, if you have that kind of mind, then that's a separate skill and it's a different mindset that you have to come into it with anyway. I think it's interesting that you've worked across a lot of different brands, Nike and many different sub-brands of Nike mm -hmm. and basketball and I see some Nike LeBron. The things that you're showing on your portfolio site... And I'm so bad at my portfolio sets probably old. I'm, I might be the worst <laughs> person at self. Like I'm so bad at selling myself. I'm so bad at, at all that stuff. <laughs> I definitely don't update it. It's why I suck at freelancing. I think everybody does that. Yeah. The same with my portfolio site that I have for something separate for some consulting that I do. And I know photographers are sometimes their worst enemies for not posting right. stuff because you're busy or whatever. Or sometimes it also means having to face like, okay, what do I like of the stuff that I've done? I, I think it's a little bit of self-hatred, right? Right. You just see all the mistakes and the things you do, even in personal work. Yeah, although sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes it takes a little time and then suddenly I like looking at old work that I've done or and I've seen that yep. with some photographers. It's like even on shoots sometimes, I feel like you you don't always know what you have right away. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah, sometimes sometimes stuff gets better or like someone will be like, hey, I like that thing. And then you like it right? they liked it. Oh, there's that too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. This conversation is a little different for me in that, again, a lot of times I'm talking with people who it's their main job is to hire photographers. Yeah. But I really, I want my podcast, Photopod, to be about people who use photography, work with it mm. or work adjacently to it. So I want to give some voice to, again, to art directors and creative directors who have to work with it in a different way and have to, and have to rely on photography in a different way. You just saying that kind of made me think maybe this is relevant is that like a lot, I feel like a lot of, at least in the conceptual phase of things, a lot of people use, and this is where personal work is actually really interesting is that nobody's original. And a lot of times you'll like, that's why I have a million photo books and why I love whatever Instagram and stuff is you get ideas from looking at other people's personal work and whether that's 
I don't think that's necessarily stealing so much as like it makes you think of things and see things differently and you're like, oh shit, that's a cool style. Oh, so that, that's another way that I interact with photography for sure is it helps me like just think. And from that, I'll like, I'll bookmark, I'll be like, shit, I love that person's work. I'm going to like remember that. And I have like just bookmarks on bookmarks of different photographers and like styles and this and that. That's a good point. There's nothing wrong with being inspired. It's good. Mm-hmm. We all have to be inspired by things. I think it's important to to work outside of our area of expertise or comfort zone or whatever you want to call it. I like going to art museums and looking at sculpture because it's something totally. that I don't do in my professional life, but sometimes I see connections or I just it's just nice to exercise a different part of a creative brain by looking at something that that I'm not having to do myself. Mm-hmm. I love street photography because you're like it gives you this starting off point. I'm trying to think of like a specific street photographer or anything that, that comes to mind. But a lot of times when you're like writing even a campaign idea or a script or something, a lot of times like stuff like that will just jumpstart an idea. Yeah. And again, I'm not, this podcast is not meant to just talk about my site. It's not what, it, it's not how it started actually. It was before I even created the personal photography project. But I, that is one goal of, of mine for the site is I want people to come to it and to think more conceptually sometimes mm-hmm. I actually have some filters and ways of drilling down within all, if you just look at all the projects at once you can search by theme or by keyword so that you're not always looking for the exact thing you're not always looking for purple frog wearing a cape like sometimes you're looking for animals and so, totally. and, and and I want people to go and and just see what different executions people have done on a specific subject matter. And and sometimes it might not be what they expected and it might be a little bit of a jump starter for their brain a little bit. So, yeah. So I think that's inspiration is definitely something, actually something that I don't, I don't always push enough with that site. No, I think it's huge, man. I I think inspiration is probably the biggest thing I deal with photography is I look at people's stuff to like, to be inspired or to visualize theme if I'm especially when I'm working on something that I don't personally have a background in I'll like I'll check out a photographer's website that does and then they'll give me and then that at least gives me an image or images and and stuff to put everything in context when you told me about the idea of your site I was like oh yeah that's such a great idea because that is one way that I would use your site 100% I appreciate that here's a question is there anything that you wish photographers would do more of Is there subject matter that you wish people would cover more that they haven't? Or is there some area of image making in in the still world that maybe you've seen a glimpse of it, but people aren't doing enough of? I don't know. I'm constantly seeing new things that are inspiring that I've never seen before. This is a weird one. I don't know if it has anything to do with anything. (laughs) But I always reference Peter Beard as like a photographer that I've always loved. And Mm -hmm. because I loved, I have a big book from him. I always loved the idea of using photography as like a canvas to like tell a story and add illustration and collage. And I love that style as well. I can't point to a lot of other people that have done it quite like him, but I love that style. That's cool. And maybe collage is more graphic too. I love all types of photography. I love studio. I love street photography. I I I think I like it all. I love personal work. I love to just see people's different POVs and stuff. I think. That's, that's why photography is so interesting is you can get a glimpse into someone else's world that you normally wouldn't. So I love seeing really personal stuff. Like documentary photography is probably my favorite. Nice. Do you look at 
photographers' portfolios anymore, either either digitally or in print? Yeah, hundred percent. You usually start somewhere else. It'll start with someone being like, "Hey, check out this thing," or again, like on Instagram, or I saw someone's campaign, or wherever. And it almost always, it does always lead to someone's site, like one hundred percent of the time. So yes, I think as a photographer, I think your website as your portfolio is your most important tool, hands down. What about in meetings? Does anyone ever approach you to, or do you find a value in seeing actual physical books or PDF virtual meetings? Is there any of that in what you do these days? If there was at all before? Yeah. Back in the day, we'd get books all the time. People would send books and those are fun. Those are awesome. It's just cool to get something physical, especially if it's you like, if it's not garbage, I'd still love getting that stuff. But I think like in terms of like a PDF portfolio, I, I don't really get that. I think it's definitely more about going to their personal site. A really nice, simple, easy, navigatable site is your best tool as a photographer for sure. Agreed. So people aren't typically showing their books to you these days is what you're saying? Not as often. I still get it occasionally and and maybe it's just at the agency mount right now, but yeah, before I, there would be a lot of, maybe that's more of directors thing. There would always be like agents that would come through and be like, Hey, we represent this person, that person. And they would do that for photography as well. Uh, and they'd leave behind stuff, but that's less and less, I think. But then sometimes photographers that I haven't worked with or have worked with, they'll put out their own personal photo book and they'll send it. And I think that's like a super awesome tool. There's one photographer that did that. I think he'd spent like a couple of years doing this like weird sports book. It was just like odd sports. I thought that was fun. My friend who's a, this is kind of a shameless plug. He spent a couple of years, started right before the pandemic, doing this photo doc book on the city of Portland, which was really cool. It's called the Avenue of Roses. Huh. He sent me a copy and it's like one of the, one of my favorite photo books. You said you shamelessly plugged him, but you haven't said his name. Oh, Kevin Fletcher. Yeah. And the, the book is called The Avenue of Roses and it's, it's gorgeous. That sounds great. I love any and all books. Like I said, I like to design books too. So I appreciate anytime people put together a series of images thoughtfully and commit to an idea. I think it's great that you're in Portland. You've done a lot of work for Nike, the basketball. Was it BMX as well? Yeah, that was a long time ago. I, I feel like in advertising, it's all about individual problems. So I've been on stuff from video games to football to cars, like everything. It's what it puts you on for the account. Yeah, I see soccer, I guess, for the World Cup. Is that? That's oh, yeah, we just, that was, it just came out. It was the World Cup roster announcement. Of the work that you show on your website that does involve a lot of still images... I think the ones that, that stood out to me were probably the Facebook, the the best mm-hmm. friends and the, the people oh, yeah. with the, of their pets, and then an air guitar campaign for them as well. Are there any still campaigns or still components to a campaign that you worked on that you you particularly enjoyed or that stood out to you? Yeah, I hate pointing. I, it's hard to point to, to my work, but uh, <laughs> I like it. I've enjoyed working on almost everything. And I would say every photographer I work with, I've really enjoyed the Gerber stuff was fun. Yeah. That was, was like cool. kind of, yeah, that was all very DIY. And, and I worked with a photographer friend, Sean Mendiola, who's a photographer for Adidas. 
Nice. And I loved the Nike stuff. The Zion stuff that we shot that was fun with Anthony Blasco. What was the Zion? We did a campaign for the new Zion shoe. I don't even what know if that's that? on my site. Oh, it's oh, the basketball player. Oh, got it. Is um, that's Nike as well? No, that was Jordan. Got it. Got it. But yeah, I like all of that. I care about the work I do, but I just do it and move on. I try not to look back. So I understand that you're like a consummate creative person. It seems like from your work, it's impressive to see that you've worked with so many disciplines of creative thought, I'd say, and areas of advertising even, and even making your own short films and working with an NGO and doing all of these things that you don't necessarily have to do, I'm sure. Yeah. But that you've sought out. I forget, was there a still component to the Nike Lunar? I thought that was particularly... No, that was, uh, that was all video. Um, um, yeah, that was really, that was so beautiful. You know what's interesting is that sometimes spots, like good spots and good visual yeah. spots seem like still images to me. Because... Yeah, yeah because the shot was so thought out and so carefully crafted and like it's often hinges on a single shot yeah totally Um, yeah no that was that was in the good old days of hey we just want one spot right fuck i can't remember the last time i did that yeah i can't remember the last time it was just like hey we need a whatever a 60 and a 30 it's almost always we need a spot plus like 25 social posts and and then 50 photos Actually, for social, um, that's one thing that I I haven't really discussed yep. a, a ton w- about usage. Do you, how often are you hiring photographers to do social as well? Everything is social. I feel like everything right. lives on social. So I would say a hundred percent of what it like. That's where everything is now. So yeah, everything I do, everything goes to social for sure. Even like a big campaign, you're like, oh shit, this is, they're spending a lot of money on this. It goes right to Instagram. Yeah, but it's not just because that's where oh, people for sure. spend a lot of time, obviously. Yeah. And then the brand will like, they'll, they, whatever channels they pull, like, or push, they get a million impressions or whatever. But it's just, yeah, it's the new TV, right? Or it's the new, it's where everybody's eyes are. So that's where everything goes. I mean, I think video is king, you know, that's what they always say. Right. At least for social media, they're always like, oh, video gets, gets attention more. I don't know if that's true, but that's definitely how, at least in the industry, like people treat it. Yeah. Video is your key asset. No, that's certainly true with Instagram sort of pushing its reels to the fore in, mm-hmm. in, in, in its algorithms in the, in the last year or two, and especially this year. And so photographers have to figure out, for example, how to present their work in a video format that that's actually compelling and i think there's plenty of ways to do that with animation totally. and such although there is sometimes that i just want to see a, a still image and not have to pause it or <laughs> like go back i love just seeing a still image i feel like you can also be inundated with the video and she's always in your face so i actually i love i love beautiful photography and illustration and yeah me too and in fact when i have posted some videos for our site for uh, on instagram for example some little animations slideshows basically mm-hmm. I've had some people who are sort of Instagram experts and who are photographers and who I respect a lot. And the more that they've studied and been, been successful with their Instagram feed, they'll look at some of the, the slideshows that I'll put up and they'll say, those images are moving way too slowly. Oh. And I feel like I was doing them somewhat quickly, like just enough time for somebody to adjust something and want a little bit more, or maybe they'd want to watch it again. 
but for somebody who really understands the Instagram mindset, it's it has to be so damn quick. And I'm always trying to balance, okay, am I trying to appeal to the Instagram algorithm or am I trying to appeal to the people who do want a little bit of slow time on Instagram, um, totally. which I realize is, might be an oxymoron. But no, I, I feel like if some people, I don't mind if somebody comes to my Instagram, our Instagram feed months later and then starts looking back. I look back at old posts that people put up. Like I like flipping down through a grid. I don't, do you do that? Oh, 100%. Yeah. If I find an image or something that something catches my eye, I'll go to their thing and I'll go down the rabbit hole. I got so many people I'm following that I like that I in so many whatever bookmarks and stuff that sometimes you lose track of who these people are. But it was an interesting photography thing where and I forget what he called it. Mm -hmm. It's this whole process. It starts with the still image. It's all studio photography. But I want to say by dragging your mouse across it, it changes the lighting completely. Yeah, you called yeah, yeah. it. Do you know what? It, do you know what that is? It was like you called it like Lumo something. Uh, I forget. I've seen that technology over really? the last few years. Yeah, it's like a it's like a new way of using strobes where you can shoot a bunch of different things almost at the same time and then turn it into motions as you do that scroll across. I I don't remember the name though, unfortunately. If you see any interesting photography, I'd value seeing that over time. Feel free to to share it with me anytime on Instagram or in an email or something like that. I I love seeing anything that people think is interesting because I do feel like, as we were saying before, I think that is the value of social media sometimes is seeing and sharing just cool work. And especially as people are less and less in their offices, maybe. That's where I used to share. I used to work in some ad ad agencies and design departments and things like that before I got back into the photography. And I used to always enjoy the conversations where people would say, hey, did you check out this whatever? Or sometimes it was like software stuff. Did you check out this Photoshop action where like nerdy stuff like that, that I sometimes I miss having that. And and so I value that in the digital sphere because that's the water cooler replacement for me. You're just so much stuff. It's got to be hard to to stay on someone's radar these days, especially when you're a freelancer is, is having to constantly feed the beast of content and like being relevant. Yeah. Oh, here's, and I found who the guy is here. And I wish I could just send this to you. I probably couldn't just send this here right now. Huh? Uh, yeah. His name is Jeremy Coart and it's called Lightograph. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, I know his work. And, and you're speaking of, of people reaching you. Do you like being contacted by photographers um is it a pain it depends i mean i just get hit up a lot and you don't have time always you get busy and it's just hard to respond to everybody but i definitely check out everybody's stuff and i i definitely like when people reach out and probably to your point about personal work i think that to me is more interesting when someone's hey i just did this personal thing than someone being like i just did this campaign for whatever I'm way more interested in seeing uh, your personal projects than than your campaign stuff. Yeah. For sure. And are you actually in an office these days? If people have like print stuff to send you or something like that? Yeah, totally. Like getting stuff at your office or is that like... No, I love it. Is that something? Yeah. 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 Um, Yeah. I uh, I found it hard to work at home. So I've I've been (laughs) at the office since like April 2021. I was going in. Nice. Yeah. Wearing a mask going in. 
Yeah, no, I understand that. Although I've worked from home for the last 12 years, so the pandemic oh, really? is, yeah. is nothing new, new to me in terms of the, yeah. that change of environment. But there are times, sometimes when I've considered, well, I thought about founding a creative co-working space actually about 10 years ago that just became too annoying when I was getting into the, the details of it, but because I didn't want to be a landlord basically. But yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, the reason that I consider doing that is because I do value, as we were saying, the water cooler conversations and just hang time with people and the physical presence. And so it's valuable for me to talk with people as much as possible, even if virtually sometimes even this podcast is valuable to me for that as well. So that's interesting that you're in your office. That's cool. Hopefully I, I answered anything that was even sort of interesting. Definitely. All this is good. I feel like I'm just trying to keep tabs on what different people in my so-called industry like you're in the advertising industry and filmmaking and everything, but I'm really in the photography industry because I'm also a consultant to photographers and I help them edit their work and things like that. It's important for people to hear from people who work for photographers in, in all different capacities. But then I think my last question was, I don't know if you saw my email, but was did, did yeah, yeah. you happen to look at yep. the site and, and did you, totally. did anything... Um, yeah, yeah. I grabbed a few things. You said, you said just like the first things that, that kind of strike you. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like in, for any intellectual. It could be for whatever reason. Yep. The absolute first thing was the it was from a photographer named Simone Lewick. Oh yeah, yeah. She's the great. athleisure. That was the first thing that struck. Love me. it. I love athleisure. Yeah. And uh, wait, Hoppe, what too. was it about athleisure? Was there something in particular? Was there a particular image? Uh, I think it was just the, I think it was just the first image that I clicked on, which was the woman with the big gold chain and the Adidas. Yeah. I just, I like that style and, and it struck me as bizarre and funny. And then the other one that, that struck me was, was Brian Hodges and Odillo Lawany. I really like that too. Yeah. Great. I mean, I choose people to be on the site who, whose work I like anyway. Yeah. There's a lot I, of good stuff on there. I, I I think uh, everything I looked at, I, I I think it's all really interesting. I clicked thank on you. a bunch of them. But I, I do love those examples. And I've, I've worked with Brian in the past, actually, and I've edited some of his work by chance in the past. And I I really appreciate the detail and the use of color and his approach to a lot of things. By the way, do you know what those things are in the pictures? I have no idea. And I think that's why I like clicked on it. I was like, that's, <laughs> it's just like this weird, bizarre kind of like abstracty art thing it's it that's what it looks like yeah but this was in uganda and these are soccer balls that oh, children no use. way that's even cooler be, because it, they're poor and yeah. they make them out of like bags and yep. plastic bags and this and that and then they're bound they're with twine and or yep. maybe even some of them look like they may be bound with something simpler even than that or maybe another piece of a bag just wrapped around made into thread but yeah that's so they'll play soccer with that that's such and, a great uh, idea for uh, a really original. That's very original photography. I've never seen that before, and that's tells a whole story. I love that. Um, I'm glad you chose those. That's exciting. But also because I said that I like those things, but I also I don't want my site to be something where it's just stuff that I like. Mm -hmm. I want it to be things that might be useful to other people, or, or if they're trying to f see twelve different perspectives on basketball. I might like the general aesthetic that a photographer has, but sometimes I want to challenge myself to not always have, I don't want it to just be my Pinterest. Totally. Like, I want it to be things that, 
you know, that somebody will come to and they might say, this is kind of weird. I'm not even sure about this at first or, but some other, somebody else might look at the same thing and be like, this is perfect for what I need or for my aesthetic or for a new approach to our brand or whatever. It's a great idea. I could just see, hopefully you get a bunch of, or do people submit or do you like, are you reaching out to photographers? Both. Yeah. Yeah. If I see work that I I really enjoy and they haven't approached me yet, I'll sometimes approach people, but yeah, it's Mm -hmm. both. And certainly if you ever run across folks that you think are good, feel free to recommend them to me. Um, I'm always happy to get things that other people have found projects and photographers that other people find interesting. At least from like creatives that I know, we're like, we all love that stuff more than commercial work. And then same with like the photographers I know, like they would way rather show their personal stuff. So that's like such a cool idea. And then does it link to like their sites or whatever, their portfolios? Yes. Yes. And if you actually click on the photographer's name, it goes to a profile page where it shows all the projects that are on the site. And then it has the bio information. If they choose to show it, it'll shows like some select clients, maybe gallery showings. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it has all their contact information. In addition, if they have an agent and they want to put their contact information there, then they do that as well. It has their social media. It has all the, yeah, all the stuff. Yeah, so you not, can see their commercial sites. It's a great idea. I'm not just saying that. It's, it really is because a lot of times you have to navigate through their commercial work to find their personal work. And, and you're just showcasing a bunch of different styles of personal work. It's such a great idea. Did this just, how long have you been doing it? I launched this basically this year. So, oh, okay. Yeah, it's pretty new to the world. I'm still growing it as a brand. I co-founded a brand called Wonderful Machine, I don't know, 12, no, 15 years ago or something like that, that I left. But I built that from one photographer to several hundred around the world. And it's more like a workbook, if you're familiar, or like a folio book or whatever they call it these days. But found folios, or found, they call it now. But yeah, I co-founded Wonderful Machine. So I know how long sometimes it takes to build a brand and to get recognition so that's the slog I'm in right now, is getting people to know that it's there and to see its value. Yeah, and, 100% and see its value. I think I think it could blow up for sure because I've been looking for something like this for a while. So yeah, I'd love to see more that's photographers awesome. on it. And I honestly, I conceived of this when I was hired to be Philadelphia Magazine's director of photography mm-hmm. a few years back. And I signed with their HR department and everything. And then literally like a couple of days before I, my start date, the design directors called me and they said, I'm so sorry, but our publisher has put all new hires on hold. And if you can wait for two months, all the departments are going to get their budgets in to see what mm-hmm. positions we can keep in the new year. <laughs> and so the writing was on the wall. Unfortunately, I waited, but they dropped the director of photography position. So they like gutted their photo staff. They ended oh, up firing man. some existing staff. And they, so, yeah, they, they can't any new positions, got rid of some. But the point was, in getting ready for that position, I was talking with a lot with a design director, and I always thought it was interesting that photographers did personal work. I knew that it was there. It was often what was winning awards. It's what they would win communication arts awards. It's what they would put in their portfolios and not necessarily say it was personal work sometimes, like just put on their homepage or whatever. Yep. After a while, when people told me that something was shot as personal work, I wasn't surprised because it was the thing that I was usually drawn to of their work. That was always most interesting to me without knowing it sometimes that it wasn't done commercially. So knowing that people had done these projects 
for a magazine, I thought it would be interesting to create a database. And, and the, I was just thinking like a spreadsheet of projects that people were already doing so that we could test drive ideas. We could learn about photographers at worst, mm-hmm. or we could license the work, or we could have them shoot something in, in addition to that if we needed to beef up like what it was showing, if we need more shots, or just we could shoot something completely different or something based on that aesthetic. And the design director was thought that was a really cool idea. Why not take advantage of something that was already there and that photographers enjoyed doing anyway? I love when people get paid to do their the work that they really want to do anyway. Yeah, that's called board. being an artist. It's <laughs> the <laughs> hardest thing to do. It is. It's why people in creative industries will work for free totally. sometimes. Yep. You don't see, maybe, I'm sure you do. I'm sure there are examples, but I don't imagine there are as many like accountants doing free work for the yeah, love of it. Unless it was like that. pro bono for like, a good cause. I understand that. That's a different mindset. But I do feel like having worked in filmmaking as well, like, where I was working on free stuff, that you don't see many people doing that. A lot of people don't start in it for the money. They start in it because it's just something they couldn't not do. I wonder also, and this is just me, just free thing. I'm wondering also if there's, because I could see photographers loving this. If it's a way for them to showcase work, they might find too risky to put on their portfolio page. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where, where they want to experiment or reach outside of what they're normally known for or comfortable with doing. Now that could be a, another thing. That's actually one of one of the things that I say when I'm trying to explain the value to photographers. I have a photographer who just joined, for example. His name is Robert Atkinson, and he does a lot of decent like tabletop watch photography. Mm-hmm. But he has this whole other side to him where he shoots this amazing wildlife photography, but it's not like cheesy wildlife photography. It's just fine art stuff. Some of it was in communication arts. He does some interesting motion work with that. But then he also does this crazy like uh, generative art it's AI, which oh, cool. I know is potentially breaking the rules, but it's in Whatever. there. And actually, that, that was one thing I wanted to ask you. I'm sorry. I keep saying I'm done, and then I yeah, no, have another question. Sorry. If you type in birds in there, it'll probably come up into the search field. This one's called Avian Anatomy. Robert David Atkinson did this, and it's something that he said, I hope you don't mind. Like, I am a photographer, but mm-hmm. this is actually AI. Oh, yeah, I did see that. Yeah, very cool. The site is called the Personal Photography Project. So if something is either made by a photographer or has a photorealistic quality to it, mm-hmm. even if it's fanciful like this, I don't care if it's AI or even CG. There's one CG project in here as well that currently that is called Neon Alleys, and that's on the homepage. And that is all like cinema 4D and this and that. But I asked my last guest to choose an, a project that, that stood out to her. And she chose that one and she didn't realize that it wasn't a, f- a photograph. And I'm not trying to trick someone, but I realized that I feel like some, and, and tell me if you agree with this. I feel like AI mm. and CG can sometimes just be another tool. I think everything is a tool. You know, I, that, yeah. I 100%. That's why I think, yeah, that's why we're in this interesting age where it's like anybody can make anything and anybody can make it. It's almost very easy to make a beautiful image. So it's that's which I think is cool because now you have to actually have to have something to say because everybody yeah. can do it. Yeah, it's all a tool. And, and like with the CG stuff and even the AI stuff, it's you're using photographic principles. And it's, yeah, it's all, yeah. it's all the same to me. I also feel like it's akin to, I'm sure there are people when Photoshop first came out who were like, well, that's not yep. photography. 
So there's always going to be the naysayers in that regard as well when it comes to an art form about how pure something needs to be. I feel like if it's generally following the same principle, like I don't necessarily want to show like things that look like video game art Mm -hmm. that's on a site that's about photography. At some point I might expand to something where it's also showing illustration, in which case that could be more appropriate. But I feel like this is something that if it looks photorealistic or or seems like conceptual photo, photo art, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm still defining that what that boundary is, but I'm glad that you it sounds like you are in agreement that's okay to have sometimes like the, the core of this is to, is meant to be straight up photography. <laughs> but also you just want it to be interesting and I'm just looking at that guy's uh stuff and it's awesome. It's psychedelic and weird and yeah. Yeah, it's so, totally yeah. unexpected. Okay, I'm glad I'm glad that that you sign off on that idea. No, I think it's cool. I I could see I could see it going past like you were saying I could see it going past photography. I think it's just cool to give people that do something. I feel like a lot of creative people get into commercial arts not intending to get into commercial arts. If that makes any sense. Yeah, photographers yeah. and directors and whatever and it's you got to make money and pay your bills and whatnot and and it's a great place to show case other work so i could see that for writers for illustrators for everybody mm-hmm. especially if you do this professionally and you want to show your other side or whatever i think it's really cool that's true actually there sometimes i review portfolios for schools once in a while like an art school or something like that and the number of photo students who are like i want to get into fine art photography and i i have to take a pause for a second to not crush their dreams that the chances of, of them actually making a living off of that are so slim to be a fine artist, period, like a, in any medium. But if they really do have fine art chops, they can apply that towards anything. I feel like it only makes their work more interesting. I feel like not of candor is somebody who, who did that really well, and there's other people, certainly. And actually, I am sometimes trying to find the, the, the line between fine art and personal work. I, I actually am interested in, in getting the attention of hotel art buyers who might want to like put prints up on the wall and things like that i want people who put so much into this work to be able to capitalize on it in a way totally and Um, and i'm sure a lot of people would love to be able to pay their bills doing their fine art versus just commercial stuff right or at least have a new revenue stream yep you know like at worst but yeah absolutely none of us want to sell our souls for for you would that be illustration Uh, i don't know yeah, I don't know if I have any aspirations. <laughs> it sounds bad. I just like making all sorts of stuff. But but yeah, I, I think like other people, I, I didn't necessarily get into this, into advertising because I loved advertising. Yeah. yeah. Maybe this is a good thought to end on. Is there something that you haven't done enough of that you'd like to do more of though, like in, in either in a creative field or, um, or elsewhere? I've only worked in commercial arts, so it'd be great to, to like I said, I got into this because I loved film. I've made some short films and I do some art on the side. So yeah, if I could uh, do that full time, that would be amazing. And the films I saw were beautiful. I think, and I apologize if you mentioned it already, but you must have gone to art school. The quality of those illustrations are are so killer. No, not at all. Yeah, no. I don't know how you draw like that without... um, Which (laughs) which ones are you talking about? I don't know, like the ones I I had commented actually on your Instagram feed that some of them reminded me of Ralph Stedman's work. Oh yeah, yeah. That um, some people who don't know by name might know Pink Floyd's The Wall animation or Flying Dog Beer Bottles, which if you've seen those, I actually have one on my bookshelf because I I was like, wait a minute, that looks like 
the wall <laughs> on, a, on a beer bottle and, and yeah, they hired him somehow. He's for sale. Okay, there's one of somebody with their mouth open and it's like somebody with their mouth open and they have like a American flag draped over oh, them yeah. and they're like, I think it's just me doodling and I usually just, I'll draw and, and, and scan and then manipulate the image and all that sort of stuff. Sometimes I'll just paint and then I'll do, some of my stuff is like more collage photography stuff. And I'm not a photographer, but it's, it's all just me finding like cool, interesting close-up textures and stuff and trying to make something abstract look like something else. Yeah, you certainly have a lot of styles. Maybe what it had personally stood out to me was the, the Stedman-esque work, if you will. And also the color washes that you put behind some of them are like, there's one from August 10th, 2021. So it reminds you of, of Alfred Hitchcock, and it's just like a guy with sort of an egg-shaped head and oh, just yeah. a barely pink nose. You should approach an illustration agent. Oh, yeah? Maybe, yeah, thanks, Sean. Yeah. And that the dude with the L.A. Lakers thing around is, is like the post-apocalyptic L.A. <laughs> like oh, that yeah. kind of stuff. <laughs> I think it, that's wild. That looks like anima- animation, too. Like, that would be killer. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. I just never, I never tried to do that as a job, I think. I already got my hands full with the job I got. It, it, it just seemed daunting to try to start a whole other thing. But I like doing it for fun, so that's all that really matters. For sure. Adam, I really appreciate the time and and learning more about what you do. Thanks, man. I, yeah, I appreciate the conversation. Thanks so much, Adam. Yeah. Say hi to Portland as well. I, I miss the city. It's, it's a cool city. Bye. All right, have a good night. Bye. I really enjoyed talking with Adam. Hope you enjoyed the episode. For me, Photopod is best when I'm discussing the photography world with a variety of creatives. Creative directors like Adam have a different focus to their work than most art producers, yet they're all working in service to a brand's campaign. In his case, we only scratched the surface of all the great visual campaigns that he's worked on. And definitely check out the show notes again to dive into his extensive work. They're in your podcast app and on our website. And please do subscribe to the podcast, assuming you like it, and to our newsletter for both this podcast and the Personal Photography Project. Again, links to both are in the show notes of your podcast app or at tppp.photo or thepersonalphotographyproject.com. Also, please tell your friends and colleagues about us. We are often shared by word of mouth, and we really appreciate when you do mention us. Stay tuned for our next episode, which is just about to be edited. In the meanwhile, check out our past interviews with creatives from all walks of life who make our photography business all the more interesting. And drop us a line with comments, questions to ask on future episodes, or even suggestions for a new category of creative to interview, or a specific person who you think would be a good interview, even if that's you. Thanks so much again for listening from me, Neil Binkley, and the Personal Photography Project. You're the best if you've made it this far.